If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 414 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Diego Jada of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a massive weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm I'm still wrecked tired after uh, after last night, and uh, we're going to get into all of that. It's a, do you know what always hits a little bit different when you're actually at the events? So obviously today is going to be mainly a, a Cage Warriors Dublin breakdown and a discussion on that. But we'll also look at some of the uh, the UFC, a bit of one championship if we get the time and all of that as well. And if you haven't signed up to our Patreon yet, please uh, do that. Patreon.com forward slash Severe My Podcast and I'll have the Q&A there as well. So uh, you could throw in your questions. Um, if you're listening, I think I'm recording maybe on Monday. So if, uh, if you're listening to this Monday morning, maybe or Sunday evening, uh, now is the time. Before we get into all of that though... Summer is coming, and are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene products. Don't be the guy at the beach with Austin Powers chairhest, uh, chairhest, hair, chest hair, chairhest. Where did chairhest come from? <laughs> chest hair. If you grow up with some, well, uh, yeah, the, the least you could do is make uh, make sure that you're hairless so up top. It's time to get ready for the hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and a free shipping with the promo code severe MMA. Everyone knows I, I was away there last weekend and I I got prepared before I went and I brought my stuff with me as well. And the best thing to get prepared with, as we all know, is the Lawnmower 4.0 cordless body trimmer, um, which the uh, part, which is part of the performance package 4.0, which has the uh, body formulations as well. I actually have a new batch of on the way from Manscaper right now, so I can't wait to uh, to get them. But it's absolutely. Uh, all their stuff is absolutely brilliant. The uh, the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer that has the ceramic blade designed to cut hair and loose skin, and it reduces grooming accidents uh, thanks thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. But in the performance package as well, as I mentioned, you get the crop or a preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver ball toner which is absolutely brilliant. They're anti-chafing ball deodorant uh, and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be while you're wearing your bathing suit all day or like me at an MMA event all day and running up and down to media row. It's absolutely, absolutely fantastic to have stuff like that. Then you have the uh, Weed Whacker 2.0, which is brilliant for getting rid of all those uh, nose and uh, and ear hairs uh, plus you have the two free gifts one of which I used last night the shed travel bag to get me up to Dublin and at the Manscaped boxers as well which are absolutely brilliant 
If you on top of that though, if you're needing sandals as well, they also have the Manscaped Shears 2.0 nail kit, which I also have, and it's absolutely brilliant. So have all the right tools for your grooming because that's absolutely essential. Do yourself a favor and use the right tools for the job. So get 20% off with free shipping using the code SeveraManscaped.com. It's 20% off and free shipping with the code SeveraManscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles. And also, today's brought to you by our friends over at Caldera Lab. Say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab are here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Where uh, They've done a clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experience healthier and visibly improved skin with Caldera Lab. Use them for all your skincare needs and use the promo code SEVERA at calderalab.com for 20% off their best products. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's uh, skincare products by combining pharmaceutical-grade science along with nature's purest and most potent ingredients. The regimen bundle is the one you should go for. That has three things in it. The clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate is where you start your day. It's a balancing cleanser. I've been using that a lot. And you know what? I'm glowing. I think Ian called me last week and I, I would agree with that. The base layer then is a nutrient-dent fortifying moisturizer that hydrates your skin and absorbs fast, leaving you with a matte finish so you can start your day. And then the good is your go-to at night before you're going to bed. It's clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps uh, your loose skin look tighter and smoother, uh, as well as help reduce visibility of wrinkles. And lines, and as you age like me, you you know those lines, those wrinkles, the signs of aging come, and all of this can help you. And if you're ready to take your skin level to the next day with Caldera Lab, look no further than the Icon as well. Uh, the rejuvenating eye serum uh, is here to address the three most common skin concerns around the eye, which are flat lines, dark circles, and puffy lips. P- puffy lips. Puffiness. Uh, <laughs> I can't read today. Committed to transparency, sustainability, and excellence, Caldera Lab is on a mission to better mince skincare around the world, priding itself on clean ingredients and doing right by their customers and the planet we live in. Kildare Lab is a certified B Corporation as well as a member of the 1% uh, 1% for the planet. True, uncompromising craftsmanship, excellent ingredients and rigorous transparency. Kildare Lab is here to upgrade your skin and confidence. So get 20% off with the code SEVERMA at Caldera lab.com that's 20% off at calderalab.com c-a-l-d-e-r-a-l-a-b.com by using the code severe may unlock your youthful glow and be ready for the summer with caldera lab and you know you heard that noise there you heard that noise graham is just after popping into the stream here he left he's back he's here and we're ready to start off the severe mail podcast graham how are things uh, fine fine day for you're just coming off of liverpool here winning beautifully yeah it was a bit of a disaster over <laughs> it was great for disaster. end of the or end of the first half and most of the second half but uh you know just richardson and spurs just had that loser mentality you know three all trying to waste time with all the momentum in their uh, in their favor, you know, Richardson putting on this act and show, just wasting time. So it was good to see him get his uh, get his just desserts in the end. Indeed, indeed, that was a big sporting event. But the big sporting event we want to talk about from the weekend is Gage Wires Dublin. And do you know what? Sometimes we come on here and we give like a quick what were our thoughts on it. And I think I think that's a, an interesting do, thing to do here because, like, my thoughts on Cage Warriors Dublin were 
positive. There were a lot of things that happened that maybe weren't too positive in, <laughs> in terms of like we had and we had a very busy night. Now, not that that's negative or anything. We, we just were very fucking busy because there was a lot of Irish people on the guard. So we we you know a lot of the Irish fans turned up and enjoyed it. Where we were fucking work well. Me and Andy anyway. You were kind of sitting there because you have a, a gimpy leg, but uh, it was it was a very tough night for us. But it, it was. It, it's sure, they're not there, they're not there to please you, Sean. They're there to please the, <laughs> in, the crowd. But that, that's what I said. It's it feels like a lot of the cards we've had recently, the crowd has been absolutely bang up for it, like all the Bellator cards. But we've, it feels like I can't even remember the last time we had a good finish. I think like the Amasov one kind of was a good finish, you know, because the people kind of got behind him and that was nice. But it's not the same as like an Irish guy who people have probably watched in that arena before getting up there and winning the big one. And when Reese McKee did that, I think it was a massive thing. And I think there were. It was one of those cards that look at all the fights didn't go to, the way for the Irish guys. Two two of the top um, two of the top four uh, Irish guys lost uh, last night, and but the rebound in the end came. They were in good fights. They were in close fights as well. I think that helped. But the the build in this card where like Irish guys winning early, Irish guys winning in the middle, and then most importantly the Irish guy in Reese McKee winning it late. It just it just felt like there was a such a positive flow out of everyone even walking up to the media um tent afterwards or, or the media room afterwards even the people like walking out I remember I, w- I was walking over to to meet Patrick after uh after the event was over to kind of walk up to the media room and this young lad came up to me and he's just like oh man that was amazing and that was amazing did you see Adam Shelley's head kick what about re-? and you know it was glowing just like absolutely brilliant and I feel like we've been missing that lately. Did it remind you of you before you got all old and withered? And <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Although I've been kind of coming back, to be honest. I've, I've been I've been more positive lately, to be honest. I, it, look, MMA sends us that way all the time, I think, especially when we're, uh, you know, you get caught up in all the bad parts of it. But last night, I think, reminded me, and I think should remind everyone of the fucking beauty of MMA. And look, we see it at the Bellator cards as well, though, to be honest. It's just it's just the Bellator cards haven't been in a well, and that's no knock on Bellator or anything. It's just the way it has been, and fair play to Bellator for putting the guys in, in hard matchups. Look, Reese McKee was in a hard matchup as well. He just came out on, on the good side of it uh, last night, so it's I, it's not like I'm picking and choosing between Cajors and Bellator. It's just the fact of what happened last night. I think Andrew McGann put up a good thing as well. That and, and this is this is not just a Cajor thing, it's actually a Bellator thing as well. Like The, the whole country kind of being involved is a big thing and I feel like that that has been the case with Bellator even though it's it's all SPG there basically there are you know James is obviously up from uh, uh, Tyrone and uh, you know Will Flory from Tipperary and they have the Dublin lads and obviously Queely is from Waterford and all but last night I think it's a little bit different because there's the gyms from all over the place so there was like you know the, the Team Torres contingent I know there, you know there was probably a, how many of them like 50 or 60 of them Team KF a massive crowd of Team KF which we'll obviously get into in, in a second here but then you have like the lads from FAI and you saw all the, the Skeletor t-shirts going around the place and you know I just I love the way Bellator have that with lots of different places in Ireland represented but all from one gym kind of and I love the way Cage Warriors had it and, and I think Andrew put it well like there wasn't the biggest crowd there last night and we, we'll talk about that as well in a second but it feels like if you went to that card you'd go again and you'd maybe bring a couple of friends with you because it it was it was very entertaining it was very fun and 
you know, because Skateboarders hasn't been around in a while. Maybe it was a little something, something a little bit new as well. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it as much as me? Obviously, you were you were kind of sitting on press row for most of the night, so you were able able to take it in even even more than me. Did you enjoy it as much as I did? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I I've always enjoyed um, all of those three arena shows, and I know people want to you know compare them and all, but they are different. There's a, there was a di- different atmosphere even in the crowd. You know, it seemed like there was huge pockets of kind of you know team kf team uh torres you know fai there was like they were all kind of rhino they were all dotted around and um, they were also supporting the irish guys as well not just their own teammates but you could you could kind of visibly look and see um which fighter was fighting kind of when as they were walking out if you looked into the crowd and you know maybe at bellator events it's more casual fans are coming to get locked and you know, watching that's great as well. That that sells tickets, whatever. Great uh, leads to more tickets being sold, and big events like Bellator have put on great events, like brilliant events in in Irish MMA history. Very important events, and you know, Cage Warriors were doing that for years. They took a bit of a break, and I think they came back, and I think it was a triumphant return. You know, you know, booking the three arenas a bit of a risk. You know, selling a lot more tickets in Ireland for a single show than you have in the past, and you know, maybe maybe it wasn't completely sold out or whatever, but there was definitely a a big crowd there and a, a very engaged crowd there. Yeah, I, I think the the crowd, so the, the top arena or the top uh, section of the arena was closed off and there was two side sections of the arena closed off. Now, I was thinking about it again last night that the there was actually way more uh, ground seats, I think, than there would be, I'd say, at a Bellator event. And Cage, I, I don't know, the Cage Warriors wanted to do that to kind of build the atmosphere. So there was a lot more... You know, they didn't have the big stage that Bellator have and things. So I think there was maybe, you know, I thought initially there was maybe like three, three and a half there. Maybe now it would stretch out to maybe four. I'd say four or five. Do you think four? I I don't don't know. Would there be five? But I'd I'd say four, four ish, maybe, which, you know, for. Uh, I think Cage Warriors, you know, and I spoke to Graham Boylan during the week and he said it straight out to me. They don't have the, the money to invest in all the things that other people do whether it is you know um getting certain sections of the media on their site to promote it or putting you know putting their fighters on the lewis and all of that i'm sure that costs a lot of money to do that and bellator have done a phenomenal job of that. i'm not knocking bellator for that at all but like i don't think cage warriors have the money to do that sort of thing and it's very tough and i think what graham Boylan said last night that like he's not you know he basically said they're not making much money out of this which you know you it's it's hard not to believe that if you're being honest but i think the other point he said was, I want to do this two to three times a year. And it feels like if you have shows like that two to three times a year with the Irish talent that's there now, but also the Irish talent that you know from Team Rhino that will keep being produced, you know from Team KF and FAI and the other gyms that will continue to be produced. And Cork as well, there wasn't much talent from, there was no talent, I think, from Cork last night. And they've always produced good talent as well. So I'm sure there'll be guys coming from there as well and other parts of the country that will build and build and build. And I feel like, uh, you know, Andrew said in his trade, it was a very good trade. If you haven't seen Andrew McGahan's Twitter, I think those crowds will build. So like the, the big crowd there last night, you know, I, I thought there'd be more. I, I think this card wasn't as stacked as I think a lot of people thought it would be. And maybe that was a problem with it as well. But I do think uh, it's a good base in, in which to start from. The other side of it as well, I thought... You know, I said earlier on, if you went to that, you'd probably definitely go to the next one and you bring a couple of friends with you. I thought the production levels were absolutely superb. 
like the light show that they did before. You know, the UFC talk all the time about the bells and whistles. You know, we kind of we've always looked at Cage Warriors as kind of UFC light. You know, it's a very good preparation to get to the UFC. Obviously, they're on Fight Pass and they have the octagon and everything like that. But the fact that they do, you know, they have the song like the UFC have the song and they have the light show and they have. I just think, I I I really think that adds to it when you're sitting there because I I I always remember sitting at the KSW show and just being in kind of wonderment of all the stuff they did because you know sometimes you're kind of you're not expecting it and it was like that again last night I was expecting to go there and watch some very good fights and you know do the post fight scrums and be rushing up and down like we always are but to be kind of but you know the greatest show thing comes on at the start and what, what was the other song oh, I'm very bad at remembering names of songs but the one that came on just before it it was it yeah, was, the one that's like uh, imitating Teenage Wasteland, basically. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It was, <laughs> um, it was really remember. good. Yeah. It was really, really good. And the, li- the lights, the way they did it. Yeah, it's not this big money production, but it's done mm, well. Very yeah. well, yeah. Did you, you know did you what? My favourite thing about it probably was the pacing and like, getting the fights, getting the fights, getting the fights. For you going up and down, obviously, you ended up uh, missing a lot of the fights. But for the fans, you know, for, for the people there... You, you don't really have a chance. You, you, there was a couple. Of, there was a couple of small breaks, like maybe ten minutes. But besides that, the fights were just flowing. It was quick one after another. Even if it was a quick finish, the next guy was ready to go. So yeah, that was that was brilliant because sometimes it can it can drag on, and this one definitely didn't. It was exciting all the way through, and the, the pacing definitely is a major part of that, in my opinion. Yeah, I I got one stage where I was I was texting someone, and they were like, uh, "Have you got a chance to like take a break or anything?" And I was like, "I just sat down for the first time for like five minutes, to actually, like do nothing for a second. It was it was very much, uh, yeah, it was it was like uh, we need we need a great pat in the back after the weekend. <laughs> we we need a- <laughs> sure you love giving yourself a pat in the back. So I, I I'm do, sure it's already do. been done. I'm sure it's already been done. <laughs> I do, I do. But uh, another thing, did you see uh, a picture of the arena just before kind of the the event that had even started and Bellator? kind of putting that out or Bellator people were putting that out on social media kind of uh, sniggering or kind of trying to put down Cage Warriors so you know <laughs> yeah I, probably, I had a you know I didn't see that in the long I, had, uh, I had a lot of people I had a few Bellator people on me like you know we, we even saw you know Peter Quigley put a message up on our Instagram kind of lolling at Reese McKee walking out and you know I had messages from people now in Bellator you know saying this was the event you were talking about and all this like they're yeah, <laughs> well, you know, if it if it ends up if it ends up great in a rivalry that they want to put on better fights to outdo each other in Ireland, then it's it's great for Absolutely. us and great for the fans. So hopefully, hopefully this uh, <laughs> turns into a to a war, an Irish war to, to claim the to claim the Emerald Isle. Yeah, it was <laughs> that'd be great because that's like we've been talking about that for ages. I remember asking that question to James Gallagher like years ago and it was with the UFC that time but it feels like it's a little bit different now because like I think PFL have seen it I think Bellator have seen it and Bellator have done a great job of, of helping the scene as well let's let's be honest and obviously Cage Warriors have always you know done that and now we're making a big uh, move into it so it's, it's just it's great for us like we like if Reese McKee had you know, he went into the UFC he came out and if he had, say, three fights to get back into the UFC a few years ago, them fights would have been on in London or Stockholm or, you know, a man Jordan or something like that. And, you know, maybe we would have got one of them in Ireland or something like that. But the fact that we're getting a big main event title fight in Ireland like that is class. The fact that we got Peter Quigley. Was Graham Boylan saying he wanted three or four events yeah. in the post-fights room yeah, he was saying in Ireland? That would be yeah. great, yeah. Be absolutely class, yeah. So hopefully that can happen. The one negative I would say is, like, you spoke about the media there. There was... The media turnout was absolutely dreadful. Like it was very bad. Like 
there was so there was us uh, Donna and I must give credit to Donna you know I like the shit all over the Jake Paul stuff and all that but he turns up to all events and I must absolutely give credit to him he's he's always there and he's one of the very few that always turn up uh, I know Amy was there and obviously passionate was, about it as well you can very you passionate can yeah which I like you know he's a young lad coming up and I I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say one negative word about him fair play to uh, and obviously Andy was there with the, with the two of us and Patrick was all doing the photos and Amy and just so, just so Donna knows that's, a, that's high praise coming from such a, <laughs> such a bitter prick <laughs> Like Sean Sheen. <laughs> but yeah, like and, and there's another few people. I know the guys were over from Man Point and St- uh, Stephen Towers was there and a few other lads as well. But yeah, the, the media turnout was horrendous. Like there was like three tables there and they were kind of half full. Like usually, uh, say on the Bellator ones, there's like five or six tables and they're all full. You know, people trying to get their free ticket in for the night. But in fairness, it was, it did look kind of, you know, it was three long tables set up and I think there was probably like what, six, six people, seven people, including us there. Um, I think yeah, so. Yeah, that, enough, that's yeah. obviously obviously not great, but uh, you know, just kind of the situation here. There isn't really much uh, <laughs> much cash to be made in in MMA media unless you're willing to really kind of join yeah, the circus and still go crazy. A, so, the, like a lot of people wanted to join. A lot the of them have dropped away uh, yeah. over the years. People call. You know, we used to get messages all the time. People wanting to come in, and even they've slowed down. People, I think, you know. The, the the explosion and the people thinking they can get in early and you know this is an easy way to kind of become famous or make money or have it, have it easy or whatever and then they quickly very quickly realize that that's not it unless you're willing to write uh you know fake news that's true that's true uh, but I, I don't know I just think it's very rewarding like lights, nights out last night like being part of it covering and asking the questions afterwards it was it was brilliant the Energized Boys as well were there I must not, not forget and um, uh, Jake Davis I think is his name I wouldn't want to forget I, I, I probably forgot like four people now but the, all those ads were there as well so the, and everyone that was there was, was very good and did, did a great job and things but yeah I was just disappointed enough with the turn up but um, let's um, let's get into the the fights, Graham. So and talk about them because it was uh, it was a mad night of fights. From and I I was uh, so we talked there to start about like the initial reaction and it being a positive one. And then today before we started the podcast, I was kind of thinking about it like why was it a positive one? Like it was a positive one because of of obviously Reese at the end. But I also think what we saw, even like with, with Ryan Shelley and James Sheehan in losing efforts, they showed the level that they were at, and they showed they were at a very, very good level. So that was good. We had Reese McKee showing, obviously, his level and winning. We talked about that first. But then we also had, say, like Decky, who's been around for a long time, a rewarding win, I think, for Irish MMA fans. And, like, the... The guys like Paddy McCurry, who looks a top prospect. The like the guy like uh, guys like Adam Darby, guys like Leon Hill. Yeah, Adam Darby. Before you go on there, mm-hmm. like as Graham Boylan said, well, can you get knocked out that early in your career and kind of the big stage, your first kind of big stage? It can go either way for you, you know. And he he was talking the talk in in the pre fight interview with Andy, and he looked confident and cool. But you know, you never really know until you go in there, and you know he looked really impressive, and it's a huge win because early on in your Early on in your career, it, it can be make or break, as as Graham Bonham was saying in, in the post fight scrum. So that's a vital win. He looked really good there, and two and one is 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 a lot different than one and two for the opportunities you're going to get it going forward as well. And I think by the looks of things, he 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 deserves um you know he deserves that win, and it's good to see him bounce back. Uh, you know, obviously getting getting finished like that uh, is is obviously you know as 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 I said, can go either way. We've seen it with even UFC fighters, so. It's a very important win for for Team Rhino and for Adam. Yeah, a hundred percent. But like 
Team Rhino got the win there. Team KF got the win with Adam Shelley. Alexandra Sullivan for C-Mac. You know, the, the, the lads from up the north got all the way. I, I feel like every team that we mentioned earlier on got their moment. You know, all yeah. the... C-Mac, all the, as you mentioned there, they've been mm, waiting a long time, kind of yes. working in, in the shadows nearly, uh, you know, kind of keeping their head down, not really saying much and just kind of getting on with it. And Alex is obviously, you know, he's coaching there as well. He's been... Uh, He's been around the game for a long time. He's fought loads of the Irish pros that are that are doing well now, the, the prospects, all that stuff. And it's great to see him, you know, on the big stage in a, in a big show in the three arena and get, getting a, a very quick win and a very impressive performance. And, you know, that's that's a that's a huge moment for a C-Mac. So yeah, congratulations to them. Indeed, indeed. Let's uh let's talk about Reese So because he was obviously the big name on the card. He put in the big performance, and it looks like he's going to get the big move now to to the UFC. Like the fight, first of all, I suppose to to get into it, he looked so calm and calculated throughout the whole thing. You know, I remember us talking about Reese years ago and being so impressed with that calmness. Like he's, I, it's not that he's always had it, but he's developed it. I think quickly and early in his career, and it's good to see it's something that like hasn't left him. If you want to put it that way, like to come. We, we always talk about people, oh, this is what they should do. They should go out and throw a jab here, and they should do this here and that there. And, you know, it's very hard in, in the madness of an MMA fight when you're fighting someone as good as, say, like a Jimmy Wallhead or whoever it might be, to actually to do that. You kind of get caught up in the moment. You get caught up in what your opponent's doing. But Reese has the ability to do that, and that's a special thing to be able to do. Like the jab, we always talk about the jab in MMA and how it should be used more. But... When you see guys using it so well, it, especially it, when you have a reach advantage over the guy, so many yes. frustrating fights where you're just like, "Why won't he jab?" Yeah, in other guys, and you see Reese doing it, and you're thinking, "Why is that? Why is everyone not doing this?" But it, it, it it's actually the other way around. It's like only certain guys have the ability to do that in that sort of high pressure situation and he did it so well I thought he controlled the fight really well like the one thing with Reese as well is he has that calm and sometimes it's too calm because he's calm when lads are throwing fucking bombs in his head and he maybe should be moving away from him no he does move away from him but you, you get what I mean like he is he is calm in calm situations where he's throwing the jab and he's controlling the fight, but he's also calm when lads are just going mad at him and coming at him as fucking hard as they possibly can with their strikes and everything like that. It's yeah, even with his amazing. back against the cage when you know I was watching it beside Joe McCoggan and yourself, and you know I'm thinking, oh, you know this is this is bad, but Reese, as you said, is just so cool in them positions and just trusts his game, and you know it it takes a it takes. You know, you can be you can be well rounded. You can have all the the aspects of the game, but it's putting it together. And Reese has really been putting it together even before he went to the UFC the first time. But especially now, I think you know he's more ready now. His all round game, his his composure, his coolness, all the things you were kind of talking about there have have improved to a very high level. And you know, obviously there is fights in cage warriors. We'll talk about like people like Oban Elliott later. But uh, I think I think he do does deserve going to the UFC. Like you know. Going in there on short notice against, you know, Shimaev is just a, it's just a ridiculous kind of uh, mountain to try and climb, and everybody knew that going in, and a close a close decision loss after that. He, I think he was a bit harshly treated, so it would be nice to get him see to see him get another run there. But with the UFC at the moment, it seems like they're kind of pull back on on kind of automatically signing Gage Warriors champions like, like they had been for years. So. 
yeah, like hopefully for Reese he goes in, but like I wouldn't be surprised if he if he if he doesn't. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I honestly I wouldn't be either, and it's. Like if Paul Hughes wasn't signed after that unbelievable display the last time, it's very hard to see how anyone is automatic. Now that's not to say Reese won't get signed, and maybe by the time this comes out, he might be signed. You'd never know, and I hope that is the case. But yeah, I, what you said there is correct. But if you look at his three fights since he went out of the UFC, what do you look? I spoke to Graham Bylan last week, and he said it straight out: the UFC are looking for finishes. You know, the UFC are looking for finishes. He's gotten three finishes, but he's also gotten. It's third round finish, third round finish, fourth round finish. That's a lot of cage time in there. So it's not only has he got, gone in there and like he could have fought three scrubs and, and knocked them out, no problem. He's fought three good guys. He's got what 30, 35 minutes, whatever it might be, of cage time. He's improved. He's shown it. Been through a war, came back, won the title. Been through uh, uh, last night wasn't a war. It was it was a very good display, but a tough fight. And won it again and got the, the, the corner stoppage finish after after absolutely brutalizing Jimmy Wallet. He's done everything that you would need to do to get back to the UFC. And like we we if you look at his UFC run, obviously he lost to Shemaev taking it on a week's notice. Look, that's gonna happen to anyone. And then he went in there with Alex Morono, who's a good pro that's been around for a long time, and he went in there and he lost the decision. I think he could have won one of those rounds in there, but he, he lost fair and square lost the decision. If that had been his first fight where he'd lost that decision, he would have got another opportunity and he probably would have gone in, you know, and won a fight, had a close fight with someone maybe or knocked someone out and shown the power that he has and then we wouldn't even be talking about that. It's the fact that the UFC were so brutal with him and like, you think you went in there against Shamayev on short notice and you took a fight that you'd get a little bit of an extra opportunity. He did them a big favour, you know, he stepped in against a guy nobody wanted to fight even on the roster and he did it on short notice and killed yourself to get down to the weight and all that, so historically again that would usually kind of curry you some favor yeah and and it absolutely it didn't for him but now now maybe it will i i would just hope it will because if there is an exception to be made for anyone let's say if they're they're kind of pausing you know because then i can hinder series of be coming back and whatever if they're if they were to give an exception to anyone to sign, and it's not an exception, he's fucking earned it. I'm saying an exception from the UFC side, from everyone, from the fan side, from Reese's side, from his management, from cage wars, absolutely deserves to be in the UFC. But God almighty, what more could you have done? You did it for the UFC the first time by doing them a favor and getting in there. And look, they gave you an opportunity as well. They harshly cut you and you've gone out and you've done everything you needed since and done it well. I think it has to be the UFC next time. It really has to. He's he's won the title. He's defended it in style. And I think, yeah, he has to. But look, that's, I suppose, a discussion again for another day. Just quickly on, on, on the fight again. Like, so I think sometimes the discussion we just had there can overwhelm a fight sometimes or, or we kind of ignore what actually happened last night because it's like oh what's next what's next what's next and we, you know i feel like we we actually do a good job most of the time of, of not doing that on uh, uh on this podcast because we like to get into a bit of the analysis and stuff but i really i really think what we saw last night was reese mckee going in there and beating a guy who I, I was talking to a few different people and like a lot of people fancy jimmy to win this fight you know a lot of people were saying you know, uh, Reese gets into a war and you don't want to be getting into a war with Jimmy the way he's been fighting recently, the way he's been hitting. And he, Reese, he, he, 
not knocked the stir out of him throughout that whole fight. It was really, really impressive what he did to him over four, four rounds. Like, the first round was relatively close. Two, three, and four were not. You know, they were all Reese McKay. You, the respect that they had afterwards as well. You know, Reese kind of holding up his hand and go, this this guy is a legend of the game. And you could see it. He said, oh, you know, I was scared to stand opposite him. And you, know, you wouldn't blame him for what, you know, Jimmy's been like throughout his career. And Dan Hardy was there and they brought back the post-fight interview and everything like that as well. It was a great moment. But that moment could only happen for East McKee because of the because of the performance and it was it was really phenomenal. It was it was great to yeah. see. Brilliant. I'm so glad the post fight interview came back as well. Imagine it just had ended like that, where it was just like, all right, corner stoppage. Let's just go home now. <laughs> would have been, yeah, <laughs> been pretty ridiculous. ridiculous though. Yeah. Uh, thank me again for that. Now you can thank Shani for <laughs> thank Shani for everything after that. But yeah, it was. Jeez, it was a, it was a pretty uh, a pretty phenomenal win and, and a pretty phenomenal moment afterwards as well. And look, um, hopefully, uh, you know, Reese was given out to me for not getting him on the podcast <laughs> before. So. Hopefully I'll have him on next week Whether it's here or over in Sherlock We can talk even more with him about it But absolutely brilliant And you know Shout out to Jimmy Wallhead as well Great career I was talking about it in a few different Obviously places last week Um uh, as we previewed the show on, you know, Bellator and the UFC and Cage Warriors, a, ve- a veteran amongst veterans. And the amount of respect that everyone has for him, it just shows what he is like. It really, really does show it. And uh, it was great to see him going out on uh, the way he did, I suppose. We're, 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 we're looking forward to his next one, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you read my mind. Yeah, read my mind. yeah indeed. Um, right, let's move on. Let's talk about, while we're in, uh, at the welterweight division, let's talk about Ben Elliott versus James Sheehan. Uh, because, look... Oban said it, everyone kind of said it. You weren't never really expecting the winner of Oban, Elliot James Sheehan, to fight the main event, people, because you feel like Reese, now he won off to the UFC. If Jimmy had won, he would have been retiring. So, um, it, it was a bit of it was a bit weird in that fashion, but also you want to win that fight because you're kind of the clear number one contender for a vacant title if that happens. But you're also a clear number one contender. Let's say if Reese uh, is going to have another one in in cage wars, as we said, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And Oban Elliott kind of fought that way. I think he kind of fought like it was a semi final, and he really, I think he did a great job of like not given James Sheehan many chances like the, the first round I think relatively close uh, but Oban did enough I think the second round Oban did enough and then the third round again I think Oban was very much kind of on the, the back foot trying to stay away thinking he was two rounds up and I think that was you know that was a close round I had it um, I had a 29-28 for, for Oban yeah, Elliott was the third round where Sheehan landed a head kick and it was a couple other nice moments for him was that yeah right that, was, that was the third round and Oban was kind was of moving third, away yeah. kind of you know, kind of sticking and moving. You know, with his back against the cage a lot, and yeah. I, I thought, I thought this was a particularly high level fight from both of the guys. Like in terms of the fight IQ, but in terms of what we saw from him as well. Like I think Sheehan had some great. Uh, you, they almost have me saying Sheehan now. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah, Oban Sheehan. Yeah, <laughs> he had some great moments early because I feel like Oban was fighting with a very kind of boxing oriented sense, and he was kicking the leg a little bit, and he was coming in with kind of that left hook over the top. But I think Oban adjusted very, very well around you know the, maybe the two minute mark, maybe the halfway point of that round to to take the relatively close round, and then adjusted again in the second round to land his shots even more. I, sh- I think he showed his quickness and. 
you know, obviously caused Sheehan a lot of problems. And then for the third round, James Sheehan was able to pop back and make a closer again when Oban kind of adjusted his style and, and fought maybe more, a little bit more defensively. But that was a fight you'd nearly got, need to watch back two or three times to, to kind of break it all down. Because honestly, I, I tweeted after the high level and that was a very, very, very high level fight. You know, I remember the, the other one that sticks out to me was the um, the Brian Moore fight from, uh, I think it was two fights ago that he had in the three ring. I remember watching it and afterwards I was like, geez, that was a fucking high level fight. And this was one to me as well. You know, I called the two of the best contenders in the world at welterweight, and I, I absolutely stick by that. After seeing that, it was, it was a you know maybe not a fight a fight at night contender in terms of madness or anything like that. But I think for the aficionados, they would have really enjoyed that one. Sitting case, I agree. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, I was actually editing videos during this, so I'm trying to kind of keep an eye on things, and I got the headphones on and stuff. But I saw most of it, and uh, yeah, I do think the decision was fair enough. And I think you know Oban Ali just outside of the, the fighting, even I think you know he just exudes kind of uh, honesty and he's a likable guy and um it, it, uh, the crowd didn't even seem too upset that he'd won you know the, the crowd were kind of like ah well at least he's a nice guy or something something along those lines and for james like even though even though he lost the first two rounds and you know the third round was close you know i i probably gave it to him i gave it to him at the time and probably had him losing 29 28 but there was some really you know promising signs even even in defeat and even you know going in against Oban Elliott before was a was a really difficult matchup for him and I, th- I thought like he kept it close and if if a couple of things had gone differently we could have been talking about him winning 29 28 so you know uh, it, it's obviously a setback in his career but you know he's only what six and three now he's still early in his career and you know maybe a step back is is what he needs to to build back better you know Reese is obviously I think more ready now than for the UFC than he was when he actually went to the UFC and when when he first would have wanted to go to the UFC. So sometimes this actually he'll look back in the future and and you know think that this was a good thing that happened. Even though obviously it's hard to see now uh, when you're when you're at home and you've got a sore face and you, you've got a loss on your record. But I, I wouldn't be too worried about James Sheehan. I think he's still a really really good prospect. Yeah, I think what he has shown over the last few years is his ability to improve. And if that keeps going, I think in 18 months, two years time or whatever, he will be the guy that is probably, you know, maybe 12 and four or something like that. You know, and on the precipice, let's say like a Tobias Cyril now who's 12 and three, like on the precipice of either fighting for a title, maybe being the champion or going to the UFC or something like that. That's where I said, see James Sheen over next fight. Let's say Reese goes there now. Maybe Oban gets the the next title shot and wins, it and he goes, and maybe he wins it and has another one. Then goes to the UFC, like the guy after that. I I really do think James Sheehan is that level, and I think he will go to that because it's if you go and watch these fights, and obviously you know maybe, maybe there aren't people doing it as closely as as we do it and as like intently as we do it, but the it's stark the difference between him early in his career where he was still good to where he is now like he looks so cool and calm as a striker he looks so much more technically good like his body is filled out he's looking more muscular and looking fitter and you know that weight as well he's a big big enough guy for for the weight obviously Oban coming up from uh, 155 as well in the past uh, I think like all the all the signs are good for James Sheehan like Oban don't uh, like 
I, I've I've admired Oban since one of his first few fights. You know, when I saw him debuting in cage or whatever it might have been, I was like, this guy is fucking legit. And, you know, I got him on the podcast after like two or three fights, something like that. You know what I mean? Bromance it's, developed. Yeah, exactly. But like, uh, and I, I think the cha- like when uh, this fight came up, I, I didn't want to make a pick. Like I, I really, really like both of these guys as fighters. And, you know, that's the sort of fight that you want to see on these cards and cage put it on. And as we always say, one guy moves forward and the other guy will move forward in the future if he can keep it going and keep making those improvements. And that's where we are. But as, as you said, for Oban as well, it, you know, it has to be title shot next. I think it has to. He's reached that level now. If he'd win that title shot, it's nine and two. You know, the record is looking good. Then maybe get to 10 and two. And, and you're talking about the uh, you're talking if about the UFC again. If it's not Reese, if Reese moves on to the UFC or whatever, then who would you do the the vacant title uh, for Oban against? It's hard her? to know with cage wars, and I, I've asked, I've said this to cage wars before. Like, could you put up rankings, or could you put up not even just rankings? Actually, not rankings. Who you have signed? Who you have signed? Or maybe they don't have people on the roster. Maybe they signed them. See, that's the thing with cage wars. Like, look at last week they had Jan Lies fighting George Hardwick. He never fought for cage wars before, and he came in and fought for a title like that could happen. But you know, you've the likes of Matthias Figlak there who lost to, to Jimmy Wallet. You think he'd be getting a fight coming up soon? You know, there's there's probably a few names. Maybe I look through some of the the old guards here and stuff, and it's, it's hard to remember on the spot. But like, I'm sure, I'm sure there's there's people there who uh, you know who, who they can get to, to fight. Sorry, Oban Indian anyway. has about twenty people. Yes, <laughs> he's indeed. looking at. Yeah, always has. But yeah, I think the title will be next for Oban. The same could be said for uh, for Tobias Cirilla. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with Paul Hughes as well. I asked Graham Boylan about it during the week. You know, he's, he basically said he thinks Paul Hughes will fight for the title once more, maybe, if the UFC call well, doesn't come. Well, it's dragged on this long, you know. Why yeah. is it dragged on this long uh, if the UFC are going to sign him, which we all thought they were going to do. He's done enough, uh, as, I, as I keep saying in this podcast, in historical, recent historical terms. So... Yeah, it looks like it's not going to happen. So uh, hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong, but it looks like he's going to have to fight again. And you know, who's he going to fight? That's that's you know, who's available? That's he needs to prove himself against for the UFC to sign him. That's better than he's already beaten. I don't know. Like you know, Morgan Charrier looked phenomenal uh, last night. Uh, we've already seen that, though. You know. <laughs> It just makes so much sense for him to go to the UFC, but it, it just seems like it's not going to happen. Unfortunately, I really don't know why. Yeah, he and like Hughes came out last night. He was in the front row, and and the social media team came up to him, or whatever, and he was like two way champion or something like that. So maybe he wants to fight George Hardwick, but then Graham Boyle didn't saying, really seem to. Yeah, no, but I, I think he wants George Hardwick to go to the UFC. Possibly, you know, he he told me in our interview that George Hardwick had been offered the UFC, turned it down. He was like, maybe now is the time. So you know, maybe that's the case there as well. And like you know, this thing about then he needing finishes and like. So Graham Boylan said that to me before And I was talking to two other people recently Who were like say on the verge of signing for the UFC fighters And they said like one of them said straight out to me Mick Maynard said I need to get finishes To get in the UFC And like go ahead and get You know you've won a couple of decisions or Whatever go ahead and get a finish we'll sign you Someone else said the exact same thing Graham Boylan said it This is not they, just You know they've been using that old chestnut for years The UFC like I think it's more so And he goes out that. and finishes Shane Mill So yeah. you'll, you'll get to the UFC And then nothing happens you know That I don't know. That's I think it's so think, stupid. To a certain, certain extent. Because, like, the Paul Hughes versus Vucinic fight, like, 
that's better than any finish. He destroyed him. He butchered his face. A really good, like, Vucinic should be in the UFC as well. This guy's top level. And Paul Hughes destructed him. Like, that's that's better than knocking a guy out or submitting a guy. Like, I don't give a shit what anyone says. It was like, and that just make, is senseless to me. But I don't know. It looks like he's going to have a fight. Harilla and Sharia bought one gram. Who would be your preference? I know he's fought Sharia before. It was a close fight. Uh, Harilla's fucking, he's he's a beast. He, we'll, we'll talk about that fight again in a second. But if Paul uses the fight at 145, it's probably one of those two guys. Who would you pick? Yeah, like Sharia, he, he fought at 150 there. I don't think it was, it was, it wasn't his fault, was it? Yes, he was on short notice. He was supposed to fight someone yeah. else. And yeah. That might work against him a little bit. The fact that they've already rematched or they've already uh, fought as well. But like uh, for Paul Hughes, if I was him, it would be hard. It'd be hard to get as motivated for any of those guys, really. Uh, you know, you must be thinking here, what can I what can I do? Like, you know what I mean? What's to do if the if the ref stopped, like there were certain stages of that Vujinic fight where the ref could have stepped in and nobody would have said a word. And what's the difference? You know what I mean? It's it's. I, I did not bullshit from the UFC, <laughs> the UFC matchmakers just uh, using that kind of excuse. But yeah, for, for for him, it would be you know a big downer to have to fight anybody. I think in the in the forty five division, you know, he's he was calling fifty five as you said for the double title, like something that I might motivate him to uh, you know the level he wants. You might see that as okay. Well, if I do this, then like it's undeniable. Even though <laughs> you know. It isn't undeniable. The UFC just gonna maybe do what the, they want, and maybe the thing we're missing here is let's say Hardwick does go to the UFC. Uh, Hughes could fight for the vacant title at fifty five against someone else. That's a possibility yeah, too. It's true. Yeah, so, it's true. Yeah. Well, but, it's Paul Hughes gonna wait around for all of this stuff. He shouldn't be waiting around. This is like you know. He but the problem is now. he's already been waiting around. Now he like Graham Bailey told me he was offered a fight in this card and he was injured, so he probably would have been fighting on this card. To be fair, so bro, it's not, I, I think a few people out there are kind of blaming Paul Hughes, and we were probably all thinking kind of like, oh Jesus, you know, Paul should have been maybe on this card or whatever. But he was carrying an injury. And no, I wouldn't blame I wouldn't blame Paul at all, even if he wasn't injured. Uh, you know, yeah, the way around, see if the UFC are gonna are gonna sign here or not. Like it, it uh, reached a point though, I think, like where. It, it was grand waiting and then they were like two weeks off in the card he wasn't signed it's like oh fuck he probably should have been on the card you know and that's you're caught in between a rock and a hard place there like it feels like sometimes they should almost be booked on the card and uh, what, booked on the card without telling anyone if you want to put it that way and then you announce like uh, two well, weeks uh, out Paul Hughes uh, going to be fine asshole fight. media like us will probably catch wind of it and uh, <laughs> start blabbing on podcasts yeah, and, and so Twitter and all that and all Fucking that stuff Andy Stevenson will be <laughs> <laughs> Andy now he did a great job I wouldn't have a bad word said about Andy but yeah it's true it's true and we, look we'll we'll see how it plays out I suppose There's a, like, and that's the thing as well you know about it, it's easy for me to say okay Joy, I should put up a roster like fucking Paul Hughes could get signed in the morning he's no longer on it and then we were all our chat is bullshit so anyway um I, I didn't see one second of the Morgan Sharia fight. I didn't see him upstairs afterwards. I didn't. Morgan Sharia was like he didn't exist at the, week, at the weekend to me. But I, I understand he got a great kind of ground and pound finish, Graham, did he? Yeah, he he had his back taken and he was in a few precarious positions and it, it wasn't looking good at one stage. It was hard to see from, from my angle exactly what was going on in, in the position, but it, it looked like it was a... It was uh, definitely a dangerous position and he escaped. And once he escaped, he, Pedro Sousa was kind of... He either wilted or was tired or just kind of. He knew it was. <laughs> he knew it was only going one way from there. And Sherry just yeah, he put a pretty vicious beat down on him and uh, 
the the doctor stopped it. Uh, rightfully so, I think it, it, it was gonna it was a nasty beating already, and there's no need for it to get more nasty. Uh, the Ryan Shelley fight, yeah, um, he was looking so good. He was I, I thought he was winning the rounds. I thought he was two rounds up, and you know he was still going for it in the third round, and he got caught with a shot and went down. Um, I heard I, I heard that uh, he had a broken nose in camp. Obviously, you know the team and him know going into it that that's the situation. They took the fight, obviously all that stuff. But maybe from what happened, it did seem like he he reacted he reacted. Uh, more than you would expect from the shot uh, that initially seemed to hurt him. It looked weird, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I thought we, me and you straight away said, "Oh, something, something strange there." And uh, afterwards, we were hearing that. So obviously, nobody's looking to make excuses or anything. But it looks to me like it makes maybe, sense in this one, though. Yeah, it's not an exactly. That's just, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like it, if someone had told me, "Oh, he came into the fight and like three weeks ago he'd fucking broken his nose or broken his orbital or something like," well, yeah, that makes perfect sense for the way he reacted. So. It was fucking, it was very unfortunate because he was yeah. fighting so well. Like, I picked Torilla coming in and, you know what, I was delighted to be wrong after the, after the second round. He was fighting. Like, I think with Shelley, the, the way he has become from, you know, a well-rounded fighter from being a, a TK, TKD guy. And, you know, Adam performed very, very well as well. So it's not, not just Ryan, but... I think last night, in those first two rounds, I think he did to Harilla what no other fighter has done to him that I've seen. Like, Bark knocked him out with the, the big head kick. Gomez kind of ran around him for a while. Shelley just kind of fought him and was beating him. Like, he just, he, he allowed Harilla to do what Harilla was doing, and he fought his own fight and beat him at it. Like, he stopped Harilla's, and it wasn't he stopped his forward motion. But he just beat his forward motion with everything he was doing. He was throwing like those f- kind of front kicks to the leg. He was throwing shots coming in. He was when he got to the ground, he was kind of getting on top of him, and it was brilliant. It was re- it was a really really good all round performance. And like yeah, exactly. It was one of those. He, looked, he looked really comfortable in yeah. positions that he hasn't really shown us before that he's comfortable in. And you know, obviously, he's we've seen it loads of times from from high quality strikers, and there's no doubt about him being a, a high quality striker. But we've seen it where maybe they they don't have the ground game where they can mix the, the grappling and the striking together or they don't even sometimes it can be they have it but they, they don't trust it and they they're second guessing themselves but he, he looked smooth in what he was doing and you know even though he ended up losing and getting getting finished you know that was a really impressive fight where you know he i think he's even better than i thought he was even though he lost <laughs> which, which which you don't really say that often in i agree in, in a, like a tko like that uh but yeah i think obviously it's an it's, it's unfortunate that he that he didn't end up, end up winning but yeah massive positives to take from his performance i think a hundred percent oh absolutely 100 percent um like durability we, we talked about it on speaker's corner last week like durability is a massive thing in mixed martial arts and whether that go like in it seems like in this case it came from like a past injury and if you don't if you bring an injury in, not a past injury but a recent injury let's say and if you bring an injury in you can't be as durable as you would like to be and that it's the number one thing in MMA. And you're finding a guy like fucking Tobias Cirilla, who's probably the most durable human being on fucking planet Earth, and he's going to keep coming at you until round fucking three and keep putting it on you. It's just impossible. You're fighting against the, the eight ball. And like, as you said, like, it's a tough decision to make. You're in the co-main event here in the tree arena in front of a massive crowd, your biggest opportunity yet. Like, it's very hard to make a decision to pull out of that, if that is the case. Now, we don't know 100% if that is the case or, or not, but, it, it look, it seems to make sense like that. But it's, uh, 
it's it's very tough. It's very very tough. And but like you look at this one, and I think everyone I've spoken to about it has said. Ryan Shelley will be back and I, I think it was Graham Boylan even said it last night that he will be a future champion in that way or I think it was him someone said it anyway and uh, like I I wasn't a hundred percent sold on Ryan Shelley but now I think I'm, I'm closer to a hundred percent honestly I was he was very 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 good and like fair play to Harilla as well give him his uh give him his flowers here because a lot of lads after those two rounds, wouldn't have even been throwing those shots in the third, or would have been throwing wild stuff in the in the third, or would have gotten fucking finished in one of the first two rounds. So fair play to him for sticking in there. But uh, honestly, it's a rematch I could see down the line because Ryan Shelley fights a lot as well, and and he's you know he's active and get one or two wins again, and, and I could see it maybe for a belt or something down the line. So again, another high level fight, and and uh, you know a tough loss for Shelley, but a great win for for Harilla. Um, we better run through this card. We'll be here all fucking day. Decky, uh, so there was a couple of Ambers, Decky McAleen and uh, and uh, and Alexander Silva. Obviously, we talked about Alexander a second ago, but at different stages of their career, that Alexander one I saw, it was upstairs at the time, and I saw, I was like, oh, that guy's fucking arm is getting snapped. It was it was lovely stuff, and in uh, and in Decky as well with with a, a lovely finish uh, in his one. Uh, yeah, you know, Decky's always entertaining. Yeah. He's willing to kind of go into the fire and back himself to to come out the the one uh, conscious or the one. The one victorious, so uh, you know, an exciting guy. He's had his ups and downs, as he, as he said himself. He hadn't he hadn't won a fight in over two years, and he and he couldn't get a you know an opponent to fight him. So I think you know <laughs> opponents might watch his fight and say, yeah, this is this is risky enough. He's gonna he's gonna bring everything and throw it and throw it at me." And it you know it's a hard thing to overcome that pressure, that early pressure, and that 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 killer instinct he has. And yeah, it was it was an important win for him because you know, as he said, you know, with not not having won in over two years, it's. Uh, uh, probably affect you mentally. You just really want to get in there and you know set the record straight. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. Like, and I feel like it was a uh, we, we mentioned it coming in. Like for that corner of the country, it was it was a great it was a great great night. And you know, it's I'm glad we have the old triangle to be honest because the lads concentrate on these. I was like I I was above listening to and it was especially the um the Kyle McLaurin interview and I was thinking to myself like fuck I should have. I should have given that more attention kind of on the way and now there's so much to fucking do it's hard to give everyone 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever but himself and Paddy McCurry they really like they really stood out to me that Paddy McCurry looked fucking good you know and his knockout as well the McCurry one it it the people you know sometimes you land uh, an opportunistic fly knee or you throw a knee to a, a timed knee right so the there's a time shot and there's a placed shot. Very hard to throw a placed knee, but that's exactly what Paddy McCurry did. If anyone go back and watch it, he placed that knee and landed it inside. He a fucking phenomenal performance by him, and a, a very good performance as well by Kyle McCurkin. Myself and Andy were talking to him on the elevator on the way up afterwards, and he was kind of saying, "You know, this guy was throwing mad stuff. I was just kind of keeping cool and throwing out my jab and throwing out the shots that I needed to throw." And it was a very, very useful performance, a very, very good performance, and a. I thought, you know, the, the lads from up on, on that side of the world did brilliant, Decky included and Reese included uh, as well. A, a phenomenal weekend for them. Um, you know, the Team KF then, like we mentioned it there at the start, the, the crowd for Team KF was, was insane. And, you know, talking to Brad a couple of weeks ago, and he kind of mentioned that to me, like Team KF is Cage Warriors kind of, the baby of the the last cage warriors scene for the Irish guys, if you want to put it like that, you know, with Cahill, 
and um, you know with Tom King and with with uh, Chris Fields and Ashling Daly uh, and all of those, you know obviously with the SPG people and we've talked about that at nauseum now at this stage, with them not being in Cage Warriors, the kind of like the the sub SPG or the the the, uh, the the tributary of SPG that has has formed from different places are taking up that mantle. And I think I think the crowds are kind of getting behind that, you know. And they seem to have like a very kind of family atmosphere at that gym. And it, it, that was the case with the crowd there last night. They were absolutely massive. And you know, it was a very mixed night, obviously, for Team KF with you know Ryan Shelley winning, uh, sorry, losing Adam Shelley winning, and Leon Hill winning, and Takavandu uh, losing. But the crowd, the, the crowd was absolutely phenomenal. It was absolutely brilliant, and it was a real standout. And like I, I think for for um, a cage warriors, if they're coming back to Dublin all the time, to have a gym like Team KF in Dublin and to have a gym like Team Rhino in Dublin is absolutely massive for them. You know, we talk about all the other sides of the country um, and all, but to have the, the the gyms in Dublin producing and like look at Adam Darby. And I know Solomon Simons from down in Waterford, but I believe he trains up in um, in in Team Rhino in Dublin as well. Absolutely great for them to to have that, but. You know, Dublin MMA Graham has always been very much SPG centric, but the the other gyms really showed up last night, didn't they? And, and they came out in force, and not just as fighters, but with the support as well. Yeah, you know, even though it wasn't you know clean sweep or anything like that, everything didn't didn't everything didn't go their way or whatever. Uh, everything wasn't perfect. It's it, you know they need these learning experiences, they need these big show fields, they need these events. You know, uh, the the regional MMA and, and Ireland events are, are great and all, but this is a this is a step up that. That these fighters need to to flourish to to get on to the next level and like for the last few years, a lot of the the young guys and the up and coming guys their their growth has been stunted due to not having you know th- these opportunities and you know it, it, the Bellator events are absolutely great like uh, there's loads of SBG guys that that deserve these opportunities as well but it, you know there's also all these other gyms that you mentioned all these other guys that we're talking about now and loads of loads of other guys in in, in the wings and coming up. That need these opportunities to develop into the the fighters that we hope uh, you know and uh, can get to the UFC and can do things in the UFC can potentially be champions and stuff. We need we need all the gyms. We need we need all these events. Like you know, uh, it'd be great to have the UFC come, but that's not going to happen every every six months, every year. That's going to happen every few years. So we need to have these Bellators, these Cage Warriors, and obviously we're going to see what PFL are going to do. They're coming over at the end of the year, so. Yeah, it's, it's it's great to see you know opportunities for all gyms, and they showed they were ready. I think even in even in the fights that were lost, there were there was no there was no one that was like you know didn't look at a place. You know, it's MMA. You're gonna you're gonna win some. You're gonna lose some. But uh, yeah, I think it was uh, it's very important that and that Cage Warriors are, are are bringing these these you know, giving these gyms uh, opportunities and that are looking to bring. I think I think Graham Bonin said three shows uh, next year, and obviously have. Uh, another show coming up this year. I think that'd be great for like just to give everyone you know the opportunities and stuff like. And uh, the, I suppose you know we mentioned Team Get, but the uh, the Rhino lads as well. Like we, you mentioned Adam Darby, the display he put on getting the triangle choke at the old triangle choke at the end. He might be winning the old triangle of the year this year. It was absolutely phenomenal. And like I, I was at a, I was at Solomon Simon's. I, I, I keep saying I was at his second amateur fight 
And I remember saying about and I, I I think Stephen Goslaw actually was fighting uh, the same uh, the same night. And I think he has uh, I don't know did he fight last night or is he a fight uh, next weekend? Uh, I'm I'm just looking up, but uh, it's great to see, it's great to see it. You know, it's great to see these lads coming through. And I'm sure there'll be lads last night and they saw maybe Solomon Simon fighting for the first time or Alexander Sullivan fighting for the first time or Leon Hill or whoever it might be. And you know they might get to the UFC and they can be say, oh, was that his first fight in the big arena or something like that. And it's, I love that. That's a great part of Irish MMA. Yeah. Do you know it what? makes you feel more connected to the it fans, does. more connected to the fighters when they see their journey, they get the opportunity to go to events, get to see them in person. You know, it, it's it definitely if guys have to fight in Europe and kind of or you know uh, events where it's hard to get streams and stuff, and people, a lot of people aren't going to go hunting for them. But if if it's put in their face, if they're if they connect with a guy, maybe they like something he said, something he did. You know, it it, it doesn't take much sometimes and you need these opportunities to build yourself as a brand, as a fighter. Like it's, it's, you're basically a business and you need to get people interested in you. If you're going to get big opportunities, you know, sometimes you can be a really good fighter and not get the opportunities. But if you, if you can get the fans behind you, it makes a huge difference. It a hundred percent does a hundred percent. And I thought Solomon has improved so much throughout the years. And you can see with himself and with Alexander as well, having a, a large amount of amateur fights really helps you. And they're both looking good. As uh, as new pros, so great stuff from all him. And I suppose the last one we mentioned, Nicholas uh, LeBlanc beat Ryan Curtis. The Bulldog show, like Ryan Curtis, if he didn't have bad luck, he'd ha- he'd have no luck. And last year, uh, you know, a quick uh, a quick submission loss as well. It's been a real, real, real tough time for Ryan Curtis. As I said, like in the previous show, and coming in, like Ryan Curtis is all I suppose. Like the offensive skill, I suppose, is is the the way you'd put it. It's been just a very, very tough road, and. You know, ho- hopefully he gets another opportunity in cage wires because that's the best place to build someone like Orion Cortez. Um, you know, if he's if he's continuing and wants to kind of go on that path, that's the perfect place. And um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see that. But congratulations, to Nicholas LeBlanc. He got the uh, the great win there, and on the Leon Hill as well. Uh, I thought he looked, you know, Martin Zimbella, you know, he went for the guillotine there at one stage, he went for it, but Leon Hill looked comfortable, I think, aside from that, you know, their name, nicknamed him the professional, he did, he did look very professional, you know, looked very, very good and, and uh, uh, t- tactical and technical, very good fighter. The, the Takamandu one, Graham, I, um, I, I missed this, I was upstairs, there was like a tap that wasn't a tap. And then he got darts choked in the end. It was a weird one, was it? Yeah, I actually haven't seen it back, but at the time, it looked to me like he was trying to grab at the hand to pull it away, or at the arm to pull it away. But uh, some people were saying it looked like he tapped. I actually, I should have went back and looked at it, but the referee started it, which was which was very unusual. I don't know if I've even, when's the last time I've seen that or if I've ever seen that happen. My memory's terrible, but maybe I have. But um, yeah, uh, Taku was landing, Taka was landing some, um, some nice low kicks and they were definitely affecting... You know, they looked like they were uh, one stage. I think, or even more than one stage, once or twice, he knocks he knocks his opponent down. Um, I'm just trying to remember his opponent's name now. Uh, Benoit Blanc. Uh, oh yeah, Benoit Blanc. But Benoit Blanc look, looked looked like a very good grappler. Um, you know, he, 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 it's a tough loss for for Taka, You know, he's kind of saying that he kind of rediscovered his, his passion for it, and hopefully he can keep that. Um, obviously losing is tough and stuff, but um, he definitely has a lot of talent, and um, it's 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 unfortunate. It's uh, it was the the kind of. Uh, the, the, the hype was behind him when he turned pro and he maybe took a step up in competition and experience uh, level opponents too early and you know maybe even in this case you know coming in against a guy with seven fights only in your your fourth fight 
um, maybe maybe he needs to take a little step back and kind of get his confidence back and kind of build himself back up again. Yeah, 100%. Uh, while we're on caterers, Graham, to have another show next week. They're going off to Rome and another massive uh, opportunity for an Irish fighter as Caelan Lochran is fighting for the vacant 135-pound title in the main event uh, against uh, Dylan um, Hazan. It's it's a pretty good uh, card all around. We have funny we have um, we have an SBG fighter on the card. Tanya Blagalikio is fighting Gerardo Fanny, which is a very tough matchup. Fanny's a very very good fighter, but there's you know Calero Pedrosoli is on the card, who people uh, w- would know. Um, Darren Stewart is fighting Leon Aliu, so it's uh, a good card. It's Sylvester Miller as well, who we, we probably remember from those. Uh, thousand headbutts uh, a while back is on the car but the main event is the real one for us it's a massive opportunity for for Caelan Lockhart like Dylan Hazan I think Dylan Hazan is a tougher matchup than the last champion Martin Yoni to be honest um, but Caelan Lockhart I've been very impressed with him over his last few fights like his style is a very interesting one and honestly I wasn't convinced whether it would be able to work in MMA but by God it is working, and this is an even bigger test of that style, but he's well able for it. I'm lo- really looking forward to this fight. Dylan Hazan is a very technical fighter. He's good on the ground, good standing up and everything like that. There's there, there's not a lot of room for a bad fight in this one, I don't think. I think this is going to be absolutely exciting, and it's great you know, for Irish MMA to see someone like Caelan Lochran stepping in there as well, a guy who hasn't taken maybe the same path as, say, a guy coming through at SPG or a guy, a guy coming through at Rhino or a guy coming through at, at FAI or up at Rodney's Gym or wherever it might be. He's, you know, gone over to, obviously, Liverpool and trained there and, you know, come back and train in Ireland as well. But massive opportunity for Caelan Graham, isn't it? It's great to see as well coming quickly off the back of the, the big Irish card. Yeah, you know, Caelan Lochran, there was a lot of kind of people that were saying, oh, he's crushing cans and stuff, but he was building himself up. He was, you know, getting the experience in the cage. He was finishing these guys really quickly. You know, he didn't put a foot wrong. He stepped up in competition uh, and looked phenomenal. You know, he's uh, to me, he's proven he's the real deal. Uh, obviously, he's only seven fights into his career. He's kind of gotten there maybe quicker than people would have expected, but he's looked really, really good the whole way he's he's looked like he's a real deal like you know the way he, he dominated and put away Luke Shanks was was very impressive and you know he's coming in here against Suzanne and it's, it's it's you know another good guy who's been who's been looking looking good but uh, you know for me I think Caelan Lochran I think he has it all I think he's he's so well rounded already after seven fights and he seems to be improving massively fight to fight and I'm expecting him to be improved again here and I think he's going to have too much here like it, it might not be as he might not have it all his own way, and he might have to kind of prove that he can come uh, overcome adversity and get out of bad positions. But I, I think, was going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're dominating, those questions are still going to linger in the back of people's minds. And you know, I think we may, you know, maybe he'll just go out there and and win easily. But he may end up having to having to answer some of those questions. And you know, from what I've seen before, I expect him to. But you never know until until it happens. A hundred percent. Plus, this is five rounds as well, and that's a massive thing. Like someone only seven fights into his career, and same for Dylan Zan, he's only five fights into his or sorry, nine fights into his career. It's massive. Five rounds is, you know, for the most uh, skilled and, and tenured of professionals to change from three rounds to five rounds. Uh, and these lads are still, you know, very much new professionals. Um, massive. And I that's the only... For both of them, I suppose. You know, can they come through? Who will come through the fire? 
Like that, and I suppose that's the that's the uh, the question for every fight. But I think for this one more than than any because both lads have kind of been dominating and been fighting good lads, but dominating. Josh good lads. Reed, you know, he came kind of came through the yeah. fire, <laughs> the fire of Josh Reed uh, yeah. a few fights ago. Never an easy one. So I'm look really looking forward to that. You know what? What a time as well for for Ulster MMA. I suppose you would call it like Jesus Christ. Paul Hughes, the champion. Kaelin Locker, the champion. Reese McGee, the champion. You know, Joe McCulgan never lost that belt <laughs> as well. So absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. And then you know the the likes of uh, Liam McCourt and and James Gallagher and everyone. Jesus, up the north, they're doing phenomenal work as well. It's great to see MMA all over the country doing uh, brilliant. So cannot wait for that. Let's touch quickly here on some other MMA. Uh, I was above lining the Gibson watching the main event last night at the UFC. I didn't see much apart from that, to be honest. And, you know, the, the takeaways will be out and uh, the lads will go through this on uh, on Tuesday morning. So we let them do that. But Song Yudong looked very good. I was going absolutely mad. My bet of the week was Song Yudong. At, I think it was five and a half to one or something to win the decision. And he was like fucking two, three minutes away from the decision or whatever. And he ended up getting the finish. But dominated Ricky Simon here after maybe a little bit of an even early going landed a lot of big shots again five rounds here I think played a big part in it uh, this switched on short notice to five rounds as well which was another uh, issue but a good win for, for Song Yudong there Kyle Bahalio got a, a submission win after a, a little bit of a, a bad start I suppose from him but uh, he's a top prospect in that division and um, other stuff happened as well I believe there was an early stoppage in the Julian Arosa fight. I actually haven't seen it yet. So tune in to uh, the takeaways. Yeah, well, like, to be honest, like it? those shots that were landed on Julian Arosa probably should have put him out a few times, but he's just his chin was just I don't know how he got through those shots, and the ref probably thought that he was going to be more more damaged and more dazed than he was, but somehow he seemed to be relatively okay. I don't know how because he, he took some extremely vicious shots. But uh, yeah, it probably it seemed to me like it was a matter of one or two more shots. But he'd taken some big shots that I thought would have put him down as well. So it's it's, it's a tough one that, that I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be too critical of the ref over that one. Indeed, indeed. Uh, there's two very good cards next week as well. One championship are debuting in America with a very very interesting card. Roberto Soldic is on the card. He is fighting Sebastian Kadistam. That's going to be a stand-up fucking war. I've watched a good few of Caddis Sam's fights now. Yeah, he's not a guy who's going to go out there and wrestle Soldic. I think if anyone wrestles, it's going to be Soldic, which I asked him, which is probably the stupidest question I ever asked anyone, because he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm going to fucking punch him in the face. And I was like, yeah, that, that's going to be absolutely brilliant. I'm a big fan of Stamp uh, Stamp Fertig, Stamp Nong. She's really good. She's fighting Elise Anderson, who is uh, good on the ground, and Stamp has been submitted before, but she'll also bring... Uh, the shot Sage Norcott is back Graham after not fighting in, in, a, in a few years he's fighting Ahmed Mujtaba who is uh, a very good all round fighter as well so in one championship given nothing easy to, to Sage uh, the Song is fighting Rong Fang um, uh, and a really high level fight opening up the card Lonan Tynanis with the greatest name in MMA Tynanis Oris Rex uh, is fighting uh, Ray Young Oak who is the last champion um uh, at the welterweight division, I always get confused at one championship because uh, their weight divisions are different to the short dogs' weight division. So, you know, one, whichever one it was, um, he fought Christian Lee twice in his last two fights. 
spoke to Chattery last week and he was like, you know, he was kind of saying maybe there's an interim title coming there. He hasn't, he did say that to me for the Angela Lee weight division, but not for Christian. He obviously, they're very, very tragically, their their sister passed away at the turn of the year at what, 17 years of age. So sad. And obviously they're still, you know, I suppose coming to terms with, with all of that and they won't be fighting <clears throat> for a while. Uh, due to that so the winner of this fight really could be you know the guy I suppose fighting for that title and Tainana said had this like really bad disease that put him out for a few years came back last time didn't look amazing but I think he looked better this time he's a vicious wrestler really really good uh, and uh, uh, Ray Young Oak comes through a lot in his fight so that should be uh, interesting as well and there's a few grappling matches of Rene the Ritter the champion at 205 uh, or one of the divisions whichever one is uh, grappling against Tyree Atolo uh, Mikey Musumeci is grappling as well Rod Tang is in a Muay Thai fight but the main event the one we care about Demetrius Mighty Mouth Johnson against Adriana Moraes uh, in the trilogy obviously Moraes knocked him out with a, a grounded knee in the first fight Demetrius knocked him out with a flying knee in the second fight and now they fight for the third time and I think it's going to be an absolute banger like Demetrius could be the last fight of his career he's getting on an edge now against a guy way bigger than him like I honestly thought that last win was one of the best wins of his career he was so he was outgunned outsized outmatched seemingly uh, against the guy who just beaten him and he fucking beat him again and now he's ha- he has to do it all over again. Oh, it's brilliant. I absolutely love this fight. Absolutely love it. Um, and then with the UFC. Very good UFC card. UFC 288. Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo, Bilal Muhammad, Gilbert Burns, Jessica Andrade uh, against uh, Jean and Yang, Evolev against Bryce Mitchell. Obviously, we'll have the uh, preview show this week. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm dropping in yet. I might. Sure, I might. Harry and Ian will have that to you anyway. Main event, Graham. How do you how do you see that going? Aljamain Sterling against Henry Cejudo. Tough one. I saw um, you know, Luke uh, Thomas put up a sat, right? Only... I think it's two out of 28 times people over the age of 35 had fought for a UFC title that they've won, and both times it was Tyron Woodley. And Sinri Cejudo is 36. So that's, it's tough. So, Let's like, if it's Tyron Woodley can do it, anybody can. Is that what he's <laughs> well, yeah, if the 26 have tried and only one has succeeded or something. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, you know, and it's been a long time. <laughs> you know, it's not just he's getting on in age at a, low, at a lower weight. It's He hasn't fought in what it's going to be nearly exactly three years when the, when the fight goes down. And, you know, I definitely pick Henry Cejudo if he was, if he was, um, you know, had been fighting this whole time and was at the level that we, we saw him at before he went away or MMA retired or whatever it was. Um, I'd probably still pick him here, to be honest. I was surprised to see him as the underdog. Um, I think his wrestling is is so good. He can fall back on that whenever he wants. But it's also, you know, unless he's completely lost a step, and that is a that is a, a possibility here. We haven't seen him, and you know, has he been? What's he been doing in these last few years? You know, has he been uh, working on his game, or has he been improving? Maybe he has. All these questions are going to be answered, or probably going to be answered. But I, you know, if I had a free bet, I'd be I'd be going with Tahuda. I find it very hard to pick against somebody as as well rounded him, especially as well rounded him, especially with the with the wrestling to fall back on. Um, I you know Sterling is a very good grappler, but Tahuda's, yeah. in my opinion, on a different level. As long as he's similar to what he was before, 
I'm not sure to be honest. I uh, I have the same reservations as you do about Zahuda being away for so long. Like he has been, you know, he was training John Jones there for a while, and he was training with uh, the Pitbull brothers. And it seems like a few lads have popped up in his gym kind of consistently over the last while. So I think he's still been in. He's still been training. Well, has he been working to improve his game? You that's, know, has he that's been? The thing, yeah. You know, yeah. That's the thing. It's, 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 it's hard to know. Maybe different. he has. Maybe yeah. he's been planning to come back all along. It seems like he has, but then. Like as you, as you always say, you know, I've been around fighters for a long time. They don't train the same until they get that date, you know. And he hasn't had a date in what three, four years. It's just not going to be the same. Like so, I don't know. I I find that hard to look past. To be honest, I really do because I I think you look at Sahudo right and the way he's been fighting over the last while. He's been fighting more of like a you know that kind of karate outside fighting sort of style. Um, and you're fighting against someone who, in Aljamain Sterling who likes to fight when striking in that in an outside style, a very different, not a karate kind of outside style, but more like using his lint and throwing kind of big high kicks. And when he needs that, he'll come in and get the takedown and 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 do very well with it. Um, I think I think they bo- they have. S- not not necessarily similar styles, but I think they have similar tactics, like outside fight and wrestle. And I'm not sure who's going to win that battle, to be honest, because like, okay, Henry Cejudo is an Olympic wrestler and all of that, and he has, you know, you'd think he has the advantage there. But Sterling is, I, I think, a lot bigger than him, you know, a lot taller than him. So who's going to win, like, the outside battle on, on the feet? Like, who's going to win, like, if someone is stretching in for a takedown? Like, Cejudo's been taken down before. Mighty Mouse took him down and he got on top of him and he did well there. It's not like Cejudo can't be taken down or, uh, you know, outmatched in the wrestling. And now he's four years out of it, you know. I, I think I'm probably leaning towards Sterling, to be honest, but it's a, it's a pick em for me. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I, I need to go back and watch a bit yeah, of Cejudo. It's three years out. Like, if it was four years, I think that is, like, you know, that's stretching very long. But three years is probably, it's very long, but it's... You know, you haven't been out of the game that long, and he's not. A, you know, it's not as if he's coming back in here as a as a forty one year old or anything like that. But he has put his body through a lot. Like wrestlers put their body through a lot as they as they compete at the high level, weight cutting all the time, trying to keep their weight down. Or like, it's it's ridiculous what, what what wrestlers have to do at the top level in, in school and college and all that stuff in America. So, you know, maybe maybe his body can't do it anymore. And at these at these uh, lightning quick weight classes of the you know the flyweights, the bantamweights, and things like that, if you do lose a step, you will get exposed quickly. But yeah, it's it, it's a really interesting one. You know, it's it's hard to know what he's going to look like. But yeah, um, I, I still would probably lean towards him. But you know, if he comes out there and doesn't look the same or does look the same and, and Aljo has an answer for it, I wouldn't be too shocked either. Like Aljo is definitely a, a live dog here, even in my opinion, even though he's a, a betting favourite. Uh, do you know what as well on Henry Sudo, and la- I suppose last point on this, his uh, CV has like diminished very badly. Uh, it looks probably a lot worse than maybe it should. Like the, the ghost of Dominic Cruz with his last win, Marlon Morris, you know, kind of the ghost to Marlon Morris that stage even as well. TJ Dillashaw in thirty two seconds when he was cutting down. Well, and was Morris the ghost of him then, or was yeah, like Morris was winning that? that fight early? Yeah, but he was still that was I, well, I don't know was it necessarily this, it probably kind of was the start of it, but and like kind of a robbery against Demetrius as well. So like, and those are all his wins in the last six years. A robbery, a robbery. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was fucking Demetrius robbed like now. I'm a bit, I'm a bit biased. I love a bit of Demetrius, but yeah, I, I like. <laughs> oh, this is a stupid question. That is Suhuda that good? 
Like, yeah, come on. I think is <laughs> he's easy to go back out. and kind of nitpick record, is, but you yeah. know, he's he, he he's a small guy who went up against you know bigger guys and. But who are the bigger guys like? The bigger guys are Marilyn Morris, not that great, and Dominic Cruz, seventy years of age. Dominic Cruz. TJ came down. He was he couldn't couldn't fight. And that was an early stoppage show, if you remember. Uh, We can go and we can go and pick apart Fedor's record here. Yeah, we can. In fairness, but yeah, that'll mean none anyway. Comes. I I I actually I'm kind of convincing myself here that Aljamain's going to win. So I'm I'm going big on Aljamain here in this one, but. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll be doing a couple of previews for that this week, so I'd better I better go on and watch a bit of Sahudo and Aljamain before I do that. So, yeah, I'm sure we've. Uh, I'm sure we've forgotten something now, but that's it. Oh, Will Flory's fighting Rob Wilkinson as well. Uh, they're trying to get him on the Dublin card, aren't they? Uh, it's the only. Oh, well, like they're, they're doing him no favors. You know, oh, some sick. guys get a nice, a nice opponent, get a quick six points, uh, first round finish, and they're pretty much. Sailing towards the the playoffs, will gets what is he twenty fight veteran of the UFC Jotko followed by the best the, their champion Rob Wilkinson. You know, if he goes if he goes out there beats Jotko, beats Wilkinson uh, by decision, ends up on six points and doesn't end up in the playoffs, it would just be it would just be farcical. Yeah, I I to be fair, I don't think that's going to happen now because. Wilkinson is above him, so if he beats Wilkinson, he'll get over him. I think so. I no, maybe I'm wrong, but I I think he'll be safe enough. But he the, uh, the interview he did with um it was Ian, wasn't it? Yeah, he said the two toughest matchups for me are Jocko and Rob Wilkinson, and the two fucking fights he gets are Jocko and Rob Wilkinson. But like Will Flory is good, but he's back against the wall, and I I wouldn't rule him out of it. But it's it's a tough fucking fight, a really tough fight, and look, I suppose he does have that as well. If if he does lose it, he'll probably be. You know the big fight on uh, on the Dublin card, so we'll we'll see. Uh, I suppose how that goes. France as well. I like no. If DFL wanted them so badly in Dublin, they could have just moved whatever mm. playoff. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Fight. Uh, nobody's going to be complaining if you. No, no put one on. balls. No, nobody gives bollocks here. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm very very interested to see how that PFL Dublin things works out. Like. Okay, like the Franz is, is fighting uh, Dominic Wooding, and that was announced there last week as well, which is a you know a rematch of a, obviously a fight he had and won before, and I'd say they'd be hoping he'd be there and maybe John Mitchell as well, but like that's that's no guarantee either when you're in a a, a thing like that and like fucking hell it's it's going to be tough. Like look at Cage Warriors last night, they, they you know they they couldn't sell out the arena. How are fucking PFL going to do? <laughs> like I think it's going to be very very tough, but I don't know. I'm I'm. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it to be honest I, I can't wait to, to, to go to the PFL show and see the difference between that and, and all the you know and, and Bellator and and, uh, and Cage Warriors and all but yeah what do you, what you think of that France fight like I, I don't know my big fan of that rematch to be honest like that's a rematch they could have built up for the finale they're the kind of the two best guys in the division but PFL seem to be doing that they just match the two best guys up immediately should not be trying to build that to the finale like I don't know it's a bit yeah of I don't know how it works it, it, it does seem a bit Random, you know, it just seemed, it just seemed like, you know, if you were going to draft it to try and have the most exciting kind of playoffs or, or semi-finals and finals, you'd you'd probably do it differently. But yeah, I think for for Franz, obviously, it's a it's a guy he's fought before. It's it's a guy he's beaten before. But you don't want to get complacent with that as well. Like obviously, Dominic Wooding is probably going to want to come in get get revenge on that and. You know, obviously, there's a, a chance of winning a tournament that can get you a hundred grand. It can potentially get you into a million dollar tournament. So, you can't take any fights easily. But 
for uh, for Franz going in against against a guy he's already beaten. That'll obviously give him a lot of confidence. Uh, yeah, but it is a bit of a you know an unnecessary rematch. I think that you know if it if it happens to happen that they get through to the playoffs and and match them up, then fair enough. But uh, it was a bit of a, a bit of a one out of left field. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. Indeed. All right, a good fight, all the same. But we leave it there. Yeah, no, it should be like you know they're both going to stand and bang, and it'll probably yeah. be a really exciting fight. And uh, it, it was pretty exciting the first time. Obviously, uh, France got the win, but uh, Dominic Woodings probably you know I can't remember if he's ever been in a boring fight. So it should be a good fight. But just it just seems like you know when they fought before, and there's there's you know loads and loads of fresh matchups available in the the tournament pool that maybe you would try and avoid this, as as you kind of said. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes on you. Right, we will leave it there, everyone. Thank you for the support during the week. It was absolutely phenomenal. You know what? If you enjoyed all our content, you want to buy us a pint, why not sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. Costs about the same as a pint in Dublin does uh, for a month, and you get all the, the content there. So, you know, you can sure, And the some. Gibson, what was it? 710, 720 a pint. I never buy a pint. Daylight robbery. <laughs> I never. So, Donna bought me a pint. Fair play. Oh, I actually did buy a pint. So, I, I take it back. I bought a pint for that. So, I, 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 Quilcha bought me one, I think, the last Because uh, when I get into the Gibson, I'm just wrecked. And I'm like, ah, get me a drink there, someone. <laughs> I'm just like falling down on the chair when I get in there. But, yeah, uh, scan- Dublin. How does anyone live in Dublin? Like, it's scandalous, the fucking prices stuff. Uh, like Absolutely. years ago, I used to go out drinking and stuff for the weekends, and now I just, I just don't. <laughs> Unless there's like an occasion, a birthday, or something going on, a wedding or something like that, uh, it's just too expensive to be going into. You know, you go into Temple Bar, you're spending seven fifty on a point. You're buying rounds and things like that. It's, it's adding up, and you're getting taxis so expensive and all that stuff. Uh, it's just, it's just not worth it anymore. I'm getting too old for that, for that stuff. Cage Warriors Limerick next time That's what we need Do us <laughs> Cage Warriors Sean's gaff <laughs> Bring it down here I'm having the Gaelic crowns uh, Don't talk to me About the Gaelic crowns Limerick Limerick oof, oof, oof. I, Do you know I was Erling well, Come on I was what, what, at, uh, what went wrong Sean what, what went wrong The last time Limerick lost Right It was in 2019 in, And I was at the match In Dublin And then they lost yesterday And I was in Dublin as well I I'm a bad. I'm never going to Dublin again when Limerick are playing. I'm just a terrible. Is it not just Limerick? Limerick can't handle the the heat up and the big smoke. Neither only one. The, the game yesterday was on in in Limerick. Uh, it was just I was in Dublin. Ah, okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> just me being in Dublin brings bad juju to Limerick. I think so. You're, you're just you're searching <laughs> like a VAR uh, fine yeah, tooth comb okay. for reasons to what about, Dublin for everything. What about Jada? How the fuck did he not get sent off? Don't don't start now. But like, uh, come on, Oliver Skip shouldn't have been on the pitch. Yeah, he tried to break Diaz's ankle. Like he should have been. He should have been in space, gallivanting forward, about to score another goal, Jada. But this this lad who was shouldn't have been on the pitch was. Stooping his head down and headbutting his boot. Yeah, you said it was a red. <laughs> no, but that was that was you know that sh- that should have been a red. And also, I thought the the Oliver Skip one should have been a red. In all seriousness, you know, it's fair enough. Like a tough tackle, but when you go in studs up on somebody's ankle, and when you go like obviously uh, uh, Oliver Skip got away with it, he got a little cut in the side of his head. But you know, you, if you get a stud in the eye or something, that is that is like you know that can do some serious damage. So. Yeah, I think yeah, VAR is obviously just terrible. So oh, terrible. it's the worst. Think about the kids. You know, uh, they had a they had a podcast on um, Football Weekly or something like that. Some podcast, and anyway, it was about the referees, kind of like uh, and journalists embedded in the referees for a few months and kind of talking with them and going to games with them and stuff. And they had like a guy who one of the referee association guys who analyzes analyzes games, and he was saying that like in the game that he watched, it was. Uh, 
seven penalties and three red cards you could have given by the strict letter of the law. And it just shows how farcical it is because they just pick and choose. Oh, we're going to give this slight foul, but we're not going to give like these other six uh, slight fouls. And it just, it's ridiculous. You know, it's really frustrating, especially like, you know, some teams, obviously Liverpool not going for the title this year or whatever, but in previous years, it was like, one or two points between City or sometimes it's one or two points between Champions League or one or two points between the championship relegation to the championship and Premier League. It can it can it can swing on that and it's it refereeing is just a farce, you it's, know. It's ridiculous. In, in, in that thing I was talking about, in that, that piece I was talking about, they there was one um ref that said that uh, it was the wrong decision, but it was right for the game. It's like this is just this oh, is yeah, just, it's madness. Uh, to, hear them, to hear them even saying this stuff out loud in in a PR piece is just unbelievable. Yeah, it's like the, the pick and choosing. I think is so weird because we we said it. We said it when Bar- in VAR came in, and it's ex- happened exactly like they're not given decisions so that v- VAR will go back and look at it, and in VAR go back and look at it and go, oh well, he didn't give the decision. We're going to stick with what he gave. And it's just no one making a decision. It's just, it's no consistency in the decisions. They'll give one for like a slight pull or a slight push in the box like, and they'll let seven go in the same exact game. You know, the, like, the, the best example is like, and I know I'm biased, but the Casemiro one, like where he, he got your man around the neck. Like you could literally get a screenshot of that from every fucking single game. Like it's ridiculous. They just decided, okay, we're going to send this guy off for. I don't think you should be allowed to look at like. freeze frames unless it's, it's an offside. Yeah, and, uh, offside or freeze frames are all blurry, so who knows what's going on with that anyway? But um, yeah, slow motion, fair enough, just to see whatever. But looking at stills, I think can can tell a you know a misleading picture. They're also really, and we we both agree on this. They're really bad at like stopping the offside calls when the ball has actually kicked it's like how many times have you oh seen it like the ball yeah. is gone and it's like the ball's not you? gone or the ball's <laughs> or the ball's long gone, gone. Yeah, it's yeah. like oh my god absolutely ridiculous but anyway look we could and then people be like oh but look his, his elbow it's like yeah it doesn't matter because the ball's gone this is yeah. the wrong freeze frame and the 100%. free frame's all blurry they need to if they're going to use if they're going to use the system they need to have cameras that can you know not have a blurry picture there was one a couple of weeks ago with van dyke and he was just a blur in the, the image they used for the line. Yeah, he was. He was, to be fair, yeah. With VR, though, at least, right, you pick a picture and you decide from that. I can actually get over that, right? It's all the penalty decisions and all that are just absolutely ridiculous. Like it's, There's there's penalties all the time that happen and they're not given. Yeah. Like, like just, that Man City penalty today, did you see that? It was given no, in like 90, 90 seconds in. Yeah. Like that's a penalty that like you see given the odd time, but most of the time it's not given. But then it's just given in big moments. So, you know, Arsenal could have used that not to be given. Maybe that'll, you know, maybe that'll... That game could have went a different way if that hadn't happened. It, we'll it was never two know one, now. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, like you know, yeah. the the butterfly effect means everything would have changed, but yeah. like that, like the game should be played to the rules. <laughs> like it's that simple, really. Indeed. All right, everyone, we will uh, we will leave it there. As I said again, thanks for your sports uh, all week. We met a few of you go around last night. It was great. It was absolutely fantastic. I appreciate uh, every single uh, every single bit of my voice is just starting to break now after roaring last night. Uh, all night and talking for an hour and a half here, but sure, do you know what? It was fucking worth it. Up the MMA, up the Irish MMA, up all the fighters, the coaches, the media. Up Dublin. Up Limerick. <laughs> See you soon. Whoever be Limerick there, I Claire, can't remember now. Claire was my arch enemy, Claire. The ones I hate the most beat us, Graham. But anyway, we won't talk about that. Give us an old quote there to see us out. I am the son and the heir of a shyness that is criminally vulgar. We'll see you next week. Good luck.